Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. I am delighted that you've decided to take the time to join us for our daily devotions through Redeeming Life Fellowship, our church here, church plant here in Whitley County and Huntington County. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name's Dan. I'm a teaching pastor here. And today we're going to continue through our daily devotions and following through the Redeeming Life reading plan that we've been doing that's been leading us through the New Testament through the entire year. And uh, we're now, uh, this Thursday, going to be coming on to Romans chapter 12. And it's chapter 12 in its entirety that we're going to be covering today. And uh, Romans chapter 12 is important for uh, several different reasons. One of them being how, you know, uh, as Romans, it's an epistle. That means it's a letter that Paul the Apostle is writing to a church in Rome. And oftentimes it's in the epistles that we're looking for the most instruction. In other words, uh, some some straightforward commandments or guidance or instructions about what is it that I'm supposed to do. What is it that if if I, in any meaningful sense, call myself a Christian, uh, I need some clear instruction about the choices that I'm supposed to make with my life, and. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we, we oftentimes gravitate towards uh, something like the epistles. Because remember, these are oral texts. They are uh, surrogates for the apostles' actual physical presence and authority among the congregation. And they're, they're oral sermons. They're uh, sermons from the, the apostles that are s disseminating them out and they give ex, uh, uh, encouragement, they exhort the, the people of God to live as the people of God. And so that's why, obviously, the, the epistles are so important. But interestingly enough, here in chapter 12 is the first time up until this point that Paul actually offers us any instruction. In other words, uh, because of the way in which that he's explained the gospel as the power of God for salvation. Uh, he's explained the gospel as the righteousness of God through faith. He's wrestled with this dilemma about with the, with the, 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 the proclamation of the gospel and what that means for the people of Israel. And, uh, and all of this that just leads him to this point where he erupts in worship for, for God and his tremendous mercy towards us. And, and, uh, and that he's just, uh, gives praise and honor and glory to God because of that. And only up until here, to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, do we actually find a commandment, uh, an instruction, where for, the, for here, up until the close of the book, Paul is unpacking for us, he's demonstrating, uh, giving us this grand picture of the gospel and the transformed life. That, maybe we'll put it this way, that the life that Paul is describing here in chapter 12, and indeed the chapters following, is a picture of someone whose life has been captivated by the gospel, whose, whose life has been transformed, indeed, by the power of God's grace and his love and his mercy and his kindness, that, uh, that this is the fruit of how a life changes in response to what God has done. That's what you're going to see 
as we're reading through uh, chapter 12 right here. And to be sure, the first two verses are probably among the most popular and well-known uh, among the entire chapter of, of, or excuse me, of all of chapter 12. And not least because uh, he, by putting them at the front, these are matters of utmost importance so that if we put these things first, everything else is going to naturally flow out of it. And so with that in mind, what I think would be the most beneficial thing that we could do with our time today is to tease out some particular details in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and thus, then just uh, read through the rest of the chapter, and then I'll leave that for you for, for daily reflections through the rest of the day. So, with that in mind, let's go into Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers. So, Paul, if he, this is where he's wanting to encourage them. That is, I've shown you the thing that God has done, and now I'm encouraging you, as he says elsewhere, to sort of walk in a way that's worthy of the calling that you've received. Um, as I believe that would, but anyway. But let's, uh, let's continue. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Of course, you probably know uh, that uh, the idea of a living sacrifice is one of a divine paradox. That is, whenever something is sacrificed, namely in the context of ritual worship, that means that that thing dies. And here, uh, that's turned on its head to where the sacrifice is not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. And that living sacrifice happens to be your body. In other words, your entire self. That is, in view of God's mercy, you need to offer your body as a living sacrifice to offer yourselves fully and completely inside and out living your life in belongingness to the living God. That that is the, the, the essence of a life that's been captured and captivated by the love of God and the good news of the gospel. That the fruit of it is a person who offers their body as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God, holy and completely belonging to him. And it says this, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. One important thing to remember about this is that the, remember how, in the, from the beginning, Paul diagnoses the sin problem as one of, of a degenerate mind. That, uh, that the problem of sin is one that's been corrupted from the very beginning. And that it takes an act of God in order to be able to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
and that that's what God intends to do in your life and in my life to bring about his purposes. What this also is going to mean on some level or another means breaking with patterns of the world that are that are odds with God's plans and purposes for the world that he's made. And with all of this in mind, that means that that if we're going to live as the people of God, doesn't mean that we're going to continue to uh, walk according to those patterns that may otherwise seem normal, fun, pleasurable, uh, but, um, but at odds with God's plans and purposes. So, but with this in mind, let's read the rest of chapter 12. And it continues, beginning in verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And finally, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't think I could have closed this devotional any better than that. So, uh, meditate on today. I encourage you to meditate on this. And let us all together allow the Holy Spirit to, 
to test and discern in what ways our lives need to reflect one that has been transformed by the gospel. So thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't, I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and even to our podcasts. And also look, uh, consider investing, uh, supporting us financially through this uh, church planting work here because there's so much work that needs to be done. But there's fruit wherever God is leading us, and we're excited about that. And I pray God would, would bless you. Uh, I pray that he would keep you in that, each and every one of us would continue to grow in his image and his likeness and, his, um, and be reflections of, of, his, of his glorious kindness and grace towards those around us. That we would not be overcome by evil, but we would overcome evil with good. So God bless you. Take care and I'll see you next time.